Morning. Can you hear me? Good morning, everybody. How is everybody? Oh, my gosh. We got to get this energy up. Okay. I haven't been up on this stage in a while. Okay. I, I need to dial it down a little, and everybody needs to ramp it up a little. Okay. You guys with me? Yeah. I'm a, all right. I'm excited that you guys are here today. I'm excited that my great friends Justin and Ashley Ross are here today. For those of you who don't know Justin and Ashley, for those of you who have been to Honduras with me, you know that Justin is the executive director of Sparrow Missions. He and his wife Ashley, his ministry partner, his amazing wife, they've been together for 10 years, been married for 10 years. They have two adorable twins that they have adopted in Honduras who are five years old. Their names are Aaron and Gracie. Sparrow Missions has been in existence for about nine years. But let me tell you a little bit about me and Justin and why I'm so excited. We've known each other since we were four years old. So we've been best friends for that long. We were kicking around in mud puddles, as we always say, and now we have the opportunity to do ministry together, which has been one of the great blessings of my life. Uh, Justin's been doing international missions really since probably longer than most of you have been born, you know, because Justin and I are getting old now. But uh, no, he's been doing international missions for over 20 years. Since high school, college, he's been leading missions trips. The best way I know how to summarize it is Justin and Ashley have a burden for the lost. They have a burden to take the gospel to those who are in need, to those who have been forgotten by God, and to unreached people groups. And you're going to hear that pouring through him today. So I promise you're not going to regret that you took time out of your Sunday to be here today during these spring break weeks. We're all in, we're all excited to hear what God has to say through Justin. And if you have been to Honduras with me, then you know what's coming. If you haven't been, then I'll bet you after this message, you're going to want to connect with us and what everything God is doing in Honduras through Sparrow Missions in some way. So, Justin, come on up. So, everybody, welcome Justin Ross. I thought Davey was going to get choked up, but he's going to leave that to me. But uh, thank you guys so much. We came here from Honduras just to see you, and it's a blessing to be here. Your, your church has been a blessing to us in Honduras in so many ways. Um, Wes, I thought for sure you are going to break this cajon like you were just going at it. But um, we're so thankful for you guys. Um, you, have, you have donated. You have brought teams. You have been a blessing to, to the people we work with in so many ways. As you see, this is my wife. My wife is sitting down here, and she's also up here on the screen. And these are our two kids, um, Aaron and Gracie, and we miss them dearly. And one day they'll be able to travel here. We, uh, we have just completed in June their adoption in Honduras. And uh, it, is, it is a miracle. I was just talking to Sammy, Sam about his, his adoption. And uh, it's an absolute miracle. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. We've, you know, I've been involved in, in missions for a long time, like Davey said. And we've been on the mission field for just shy of two decades, about nine years. And uh, we, uh, if you're going to ask me where my faith has been tested the most, it has been in this adoption process. And anybody that's gone through that knows. Our, our, the the story is extraordinary of how we got the kids in the first place. Their mom was, uh, was raped by a gang member in, in a far-off town in the mountains in, in, in Honduras. And... And she had to hide from this person because he was going to kill her, okay? Because he found, when he found out she was pregnant. When she found out she was pregnant with twins, she tried to abort them through, through medicines and things like that. And it didn't work. She tried to abort them twice. And 
we received a call out of the blue that it was a person coming, hey, listen, there's a lady in the mountains. She's going to give up these two kids. They're going to go into a government orphanage. And the government orphanages in Honduras are, are awful. And so it just it hit our hearts right away that, oh, my gosh, I think we're, we're going to have twins in a couple of days. And that's exactly what happened. We went from a family of two that had one bedroom and a bed in our house to twins four or five days later. And it's been an absolute miracle. And, and the, the adoption process after that, in a country like Honduras that doesn't even have a word for accountability, okay? In, 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 in Honduras, if you use the word accountability, like in terms of anti-corruption, things like that, there's, there's no word for it. You have to explain what it is. And so there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of problems in Honduras, obviously. But, but God was moving this whole time. And Eli, I don't know where you are. What you said was exactly right. Really powerful statement you said was the Holy Spirit. It's up, it's up the Holy Spirit to move on people and move on hearts. And, and, that's, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we come to you right now, and we thank you that we can be together to worship you. We thank you that you have a plan for our lives every step of the way, and that it is your Holy Spirit that's going to guide us through our lives and in very special ways. Um, we thank you that we get to be together today, and we, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ashley and I had, before we moved to Honduras, we had led mission trips all over the place, in Asia and South America and every, all over the place. And so we, we end up in Honduras on a short-term mission trip. Prior to living there, we were leading a team that was primarily evangelistic, where we would do a drama or a skit, and then we would share the gospel, and then we, we would move on to the next location. It was, it was very simple. It was about 45 minutes to an hour at each location. And so we went into this community. If you can go ahead and go to the next picture. This is the community that we, that we went to. This was probably 2006. Um, not this picture, but when we were there, it was 2006 on a short-term mission trip. And we did an evangelistic drama here. Okay, we were there for probably a little under an hour. And we got to pray with a few people. And we load back up onto this bus. And our team, we're all, everyone's high-fiving each other. We did it. We did it. But then we look out the window, and you see kids, shoeless. It's a school day. No kids are in school. There's no church present in the community. And we start thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if the job's done here yet. I'm not sure, I'm not sure we're ready to do the full-on high fives. We, we, the job is done. Mission accomplished. It's, it may not be ready for that. And it just weighed, weighed on our hearts. And so we, you know, we were married. We were we, we, lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, moved back to Kentucky, and came here, and we, we really settled into a, 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 pretty, a pretty comfortable lifestyle, okay? And God just, God just had always put this, this moment of, of leaving this community on our hearts. Just, just this overwhelming, I, it's not done yet. Something's not complete here. And so when you, when you, when you get into the into, into what God really wants to see happen is disciples being made. The job obviously wasn't done yet. And so move forward a couple of years to 2009, and we're sitting in a church service just like this. Both had jobs we loved and a house that we just bought and a golden retriever we had for a couple of months already, and, and we, we'd settled in. And, and the pastor looked down preaching a sermon. I was probably paying attention a little bit, and he said, some of you all need to rethink what you're doing with your lives because God has something else for you. And it just clears day in my heart. We, we got to move to Honduras. 
we, we have to move to Honduras. And so that, that was in my heart, but I have a wife, of course. She's sitting right here looking at me. And, and, and so I'm like, how do, how do you introduce this? And me being impatient, we're walking, literally walking out of church. In the church parking lot, we're walking out. And, and you know, we're like any other couple. We, we would argue over what restaurant to go. I don't want to go to Qdoba today. We went there last Sunday. Let's go, to, let's go here. You know, let's go get Mexican food. And so <clears throat> here I am thinking, like, I don't, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Ash, I really think... I really think we should move to Honduras. And she looks at me and just says, when do you want to go? When do you want to go? God had obviously, the Holy Spirit had obviously been moving on her heart. And in 2009, we ended up moving down in, uh, in late 2009, in, down there in December. And, and God, and, and let me just say, we didn't have a plan. God moved. But I want to I use a few scriptures first. Um, one thing we've seen over and over, you can skip through a couple of these pictures. These are some of the kids that we work with in the Bordos. This community is full of kids. Um, just, just God is moving in each of their lives, and we'll get more into it. But I want to go into a scripture right now. One of the things Jesus said is, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Okay? When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven... Is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Okay? One thing Jesus did every time he spoke, okay? When he spoke, when he lived his life, he always painted this very clear picture. On one side is the kingdom of heaven. This is what matters. This is what I want you to focus your life on. And on the other side, this is the kingdom of earth. It's temporary. Okay? This is what you were born into. This is the body that you have. This is the life that you've presented for yourself without me. And so on one side, you've got the, you've got the kingdom of earth that is the things that we build for ourselves. It's our safety. It's, it's, it's our comfort. It's our security. On the other side of it is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And Jesus always did this. In fact, let's move forward to the next verse. In John 3, I think we have that up there. I'll read it anyway. This is the story of Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. Okay, so basically, Nicodemus, Pharisee, did not want to go talk to Jesus during the day, so he snuck over to Jesus' house at night. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. No one can perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly. And, of course, Jesus, let's be clear, he knew Nicodemus was coming. He knew what he wanted. He knew what was going on. He knew the whole thing. And that's why Jesus is so cool, Okay. Jesus replied, very truly, I say, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Now, born again. We all grew up knowing those words. But if you're the first person to ever hear the term being born again, you know, where does your mind go? Okay? Biology class, like that, that ain't going to work. That don't, that don't make no sense. Okay? And so here we are, Nicodemus is confused right away. Like, it's not possible. And so he responds, how can, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus says, Surely they cannot enter, the, enter the, a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered again. He knew what he was saying. He knew, he knew where he was going to go with that. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water or spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Okay? Jesus is presenting this new concept of it's not just... We accept Jesus into our lives, and there's some form of integration software where it changes some of the things in our lives, and we become 
a modified person. It's not a modification. It's not an adjustment. It's not we, we change a few things. It is a new creation, okay? It is a brand new creation, 100% new, and, and lives and breathes and has, a, lives, has completely different needs. On one side, you've got the earthly body, okay? We know what this guy needs. He needs Taco Bell, okay? That's obviously specifically to myself. Um, other people need other things. Taco Bell. What else? The human body needs certain things, okay? It needs, we want security, right? We want to be comfortable. We want to be secure. When we say security, that's personally, physically secure, financially secure. We want all these things, and we build these walls around ourselves to make sure that we have them, okay? Then Jesus comes in and says, listen, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to focus on, if you're doing something with your life, make it eternal. Focus on the eternal side of things. In fact, Paul even, even said it in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. I don't know if I have that verse. Um, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, okay? So we get this mindset of Jesus is describing, and Paul, they're talking about how we become this brand new creation, Okay? It's different than anything that's ever been described before, and it has different needs. It's fed differently than anything we've ever had before, okay? Remember, this guy survives off of comfort, all the things that he can provide for himself. Whereas the new guy, this new guy that we become, and we become a follower of Jesus Christ, which many of us are, if not all of us in this room, okay? When we're a new creation, this spiritual side of us requires something completely different. It is fed different food. It drinks different water, okay? Because what happens is this guy is fed through faith and steps of faith. And so it, 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 he, he's fed by the word of God. Jesus said that in the desert when he's confronted by, the, by, by Satan. He says, I'm, I eat something different. I don't need bread, okay? He's obviously, talk, I'm feeding the new guy. And it's this different, this completely different concept of of one versus the other, and they're always at battle, okay? And, and there, there, there's no question that, that this battle that goes on through our lives of which, which guy are we going to feed? Because this guy means I'm going to have to step, when I'm, when I'm feeding the new guy, this guy requires I have to do things that make that guy uncomfortable, okay? There's no way these two guys can coexist successfully. We want to we find some sort of, like, get these guys at the table. Let's see if we can't find something they can work together on. It doesn't work that way. Because this picture is, this guy's eating faith and sacrifice, putting yourselves in dangerous situations. I was just in India three weeks ago, and I don't know if you know the story of, of Thomas, the disciple, right? He ended up being a mission, you know, we, we all know him as Doubting Thomas, right? Well, his story gets really interesting after that. He ends up becoming a missionary to India that basically plants little churches all along the, the southern the southern part of India before he's martyred in a city called Chennai. And the people that we were working with there, this guy was, one of his name was his Yesu, the other was Sura, and they, can, they basically grew up in churches that can track themselves back to Thomas the disciple, right? And it's the most interesting thing because they recognize, they say, this is, this is the place, this is where Thomas gave his life. This, they, they killed him here with a sword. We all know this. We built a church here to, to show that. And it's this concept of, it's all about this new guy. And they can't, they, they, 
as much as we want them to work together, they, they just can't. And, and we're going to get to a place. I want to, I want to tell you a little bit more of our story. But, but one thing we know is God is the same everywhere he goes. So I'm going to tell one more quick story from the Bible. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what Sparrow Missions is doing and, and, and how much of a blessing you've been to us. John 4, Jacob's well is here. And I'm going to read through it quickly. Um, Jacob's well is there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon when the Samaritan woman... Came to, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town, grab a big box meal from Taco Bell and a large Mountain Dew, bring back for him to eat. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you even ask me for a drink? Jesus had asked her for a drink and Jews and Samaritans don't conversate. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Okay, Jesus again does this awesome thing of saying, you're talking about water. I'm talking about living water. Once again, he divides the two, okay? In the coolest way, he knows what he's doing. He's setting this whole thing up. And uh, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw. Oh, we already read that. But whoever drinks this water, I will give them. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus, again, painting that awesome picture. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will never thirst again and have to keep coming here to draw water. We all know why she didn't want to come and draw water. She was hiding. She had been living a very sinful life. Um, Then Jesus goes through and tells her all about her past. He reveals to her that he's the Messiah because he knows everything about her, just like he knows everything about us. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples came back. Rabbi, you've got to eat something. We haven't eaten all day. But he said to them, I have, food to know. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his disciples said to each other, did somebody come by and give him food? And Jesus says this, this, this is what I want you to see. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, let's talk about the new guy for a minute. All right, this new guy has the same will that Jesus had at that moment. What fed Jesus at that moment was to complete the work that the, that the Father gave him. And we know what that work is. We know that it, that it all comes back to that, to, to go into all the world and make disciples. It's just this clear image of We are disciples of Christ, and our job is to make disciples. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples that look like the church. It all comes together to look like the church. And so there's this purest thing. And so the question comes down to, when we read the scriptures, we know what Jesus is saying. We know he's saying, feed the new guy. Feed the new guy. Take steps of faith. Dig into your word. Serve at your church. Love, never miss a Love Shelbyville day. I watch, I watch you guys on Facebook. You're doing awesome things in this community. Never miss that. That is a chance to feed your new guy by serving someone else and revealing what God's doing. And like Eli said, let the Holy Spirit move through you and into someone else's life. It's just the most powerful thing you could do, and it's transformative for you. And so I want to call my wife up on stage real quick. She's going to tell you a little bit about um, kind of how we got started in Honduras, 
And she's smiling at me because she thinks I put her on the spot. Oh, she's going to jump right up here. And so this is my wife. Give her a big hand. Good morning. Thank you guys so much. Um, <clears throat> John 4 is actually one of my favorite all-time stories in Scripture when Jesus has that encounter with the woman at the well. And in verse 4, we didn't read it all in depth, but if you look in your Bibles, in verse 4, it's very subtle, and we often read over it, like I always had. But it says this, they had to go through Samaria. All right, so they were traveling, and they were going from point A to point B, and smack dab in the middle was Samaria. And so it seems like no big deal until you start researching the history and the cultural aspects and all of that thing of those times. And as Justin alluded to, Jews did not talk to Samaritans. They, in fact, and again, I haven't done thorough, thorough research, but just from what I know, they would even take that short point A to point B trip and go all the way around typically when Jews were traveling because they didn't even want to cut through their city. That would avoid having to see them or have uh, interactions with them and things like that. So people often go all the way around, make the trip longer, just to avoid the Samaritans. And so it says, Jesus went through Samaria. And man, that caught my attention. And that really has been something that I continually hold as kind of a, um, I don't know, like an anthem for my life, something that I put as one of my continual goals, go through Samaritan. And what does that even mean? For me, that means so often we get set up in cultural norms. We allow cultural norms or um, things like that determine the way that we live our lives. And Jesus said, it doesn't matter. You know, there might be those people, well, we don't really talk to them. Well, we never go on that side of town because it's a little bit dangerous. Or we never, we never do this. We never do that. You know, there's these patterns we set up in culture. But Jesus just blew it all out of the water and said, we're going straight through. And the beauty of it is on the other side of Samaritan, you know, and you guys can think in your own life what that looks like. But getting out of that comfortable, as Justin said, the, the earthly person wants to be comfortable. But going to those un uncomfortable places encountering with people that are different than us. We are drawn to people who look like us, talk like us, think like us, and all of that. But when we can intentionally have relationship and seek after and pursue people who are different than us, that is when we have those kind of encounters like Jesus had with the woman at the well. That is when God can be glorified. You know, Revelations talks all about the kingdom of God being from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And so, as Justin's saying, if we're going to bring the kingdom of God to earth, we need to diversify a little bit, right? We need to get out of those comfortable situations and push ourselves to go because that is where the Holy Spirit's going to meet us. He's not going to leave us. He's going to go with us through Samaritan and, meet Samaritan and meet us in those places where we can have divine encounters with people we thought, wow, I, never, I didn't even realize the Lord could use me like that. And that calling, that draw, that, honestly, that scripture is one of the things that has led us and taken us to Honduras. We got to get out and we got to go to Samaritan villages, you know, in that, in that sense. But we need to get out. And for us, it was Honduras. And see, it's tough because now we've been there for almost six, seven years. Um, 
I don't even remember. But we've been there a while. And things begin to get comfortable. We get in our routines. We get in our patterns. And so finding ways to be, you know, finding, meeting those fears or breaking through that uncomfortable, those, un, those cultural norms that we set up, if we can push through that like Jesus did, he led the example for us, then we can find ourselves with people that maybe we thought, how did I ever end up here or what in the world? But that's how his disciples were, right? The gospel unifies us. The people with a tax collector and a doctor and all the, the misfits that were the disciples, God brought them together because the love of Christ is what unifies us. The gospel unifies us. And so that, I just wanted to share that part because, again, we often overread it, but it's so important to look at Jesus' example. And that's something for us that has been uh, a continual thing of, okay, this seems uncomfortable. But when society says that's, that's weird or we don't do that or we, no, that's, let's try to break through those cultural norms and pursue those relationships. As Justin said, we love the, your, your vision here, love Shelbyville, all that. God loves people. It doesn't matter what kind of people. He loves all people, so we should do the same. Um, what else did you want me to touch on? <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but we, um, you know, and I, my personal, like I said, things change. Now I find myself, I actually work at a school in Honduras, um, at a bilingual school and things like that, and I feel like I'm just con- continually pushed out of my comfort zone in different areas. But there are ways where I could shrink back. But I don't know. There's so much beauty in what God can do when we step over to this side, this new guy, and allow him to walk by faith, not by sight, and those kind of things. Go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> do you want to, this steps over here. She's going to do a backflip off the stage. Um. This is where we work, and, and, and this, this concept of comfort zone, you know, we've all heard it in every aspect of your life. Oh, I'm in comfort zone, you know. Let, let me just say, the, the new guy, when the Holy Spirit is leading you, it, it, it may not be these giant steps into, into, into this world. It's, it's, it's probably hundreds and hundreds of little small ones of Holy Spirit-led decisions to feed your new guy. It's not always an altar call where you end up being a missionary for, you know, in another country. It is these little things where you take steps of, steps of faith financially. It's, it takes steps of faith in, in conversations that you have. And it's powerful. This is where we work. It's in, uh, when we moved to San Pedro Sula in late 2009, we, just, we didn't know what God was doing. We didn't know what he wanted us to do. Um, when we got there, uh, we had a pastor contact, and he said, you know, I've got an idea, something you can do. There's a community that needs uh, a Bible study. And, and this is some of the things that we do in San Pedro Sula. And, and he basically said, there's a community where you can do a Bible study for single moms and widows. It's a really poor community. And he ended up taking us back to that community that touched our hearts so deeply in 2006. We didn't know we were going there. Literally, he, he brought us back there. And that is where we spend our lives today. And these are some of the things that we do. We have a women's discipleship class that meets on Mondays that Ashley leads. And she's basically discipling women who have just gone through and had the hardest lives you can imagine. They have had sons killed because the community that we work in is it's controlled by a gang. And there's, there's a, there are threats. There are constant problems like that. And so she gets to disciple these, these women. In fact, we'll go ahead and skip to the next picture. There should be a picture of that. And then the, we have 
this is Ashley and some of the women from the deception. Go ahead and go to the next picture. This is, this is our children's class that happens on Tuesdays. And basically, these communities are full of kids, full of young kids. Now, here's the tough part. And, and this is the, the part that's really hard to grasp. And if any of you guys have come, you know these kids, right? Because you spent a lot of time with them on your short-term mission trips. These, these are the people you spend your time with. And you see a lot of smiles on those faces. But one thing you'll see is these kids just have no opportunities. They are growing up in a community that you're going to learn how to rob people before you learn how to read. That's kind of how it works. And you end up just, they have one path. And so what we're trying to do is create a new path for them. So we created a children's class. Um, go ahead and skip to the next one. And these kids, have got, we've just seen God move. For the first two years of working with the kids, I'm going to be honest with you, all we did was break up fights. It was fighting, I mean, throwing rocks, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know, if nothing's sinking in. And over time, they learn how to sit in a row, okay? Over time, they learn how to, we, we would take turns, and when we would pray over class, we would bring a kid up front with us. They would repeat the prayer after us, and they would learn how to pray, right? Then they would, we would teach them songs. They would learn to sing. They would learn to sing little worship songs that they loved. And over time, with Ashley working with the moms and the kids learning how to sit in a row quietly for seven to eight minutes at a time, the moms would come to us and say, what do you think, do you think my kid could go to school? Because, men, remember, these, these people are outcasts. They are not welcome in the schools. They are not, they're not accepted because they think this guy has an older brother who's a gang member, so if we bring him into our school, they're going to come and rob our, rob our school. So it's all these, these class issues and everything, and it just holds these people down to where they don't get to go to church, they don't get to go to school, they get nothing. And it's like you're raising up the next level of gang members, okay? It is, it just pushes them down more and more. And so we started six years ago. We got five, six kids in school for the first time, and it just stretched us. We didn't know how we got that done, okay? I think Davey Sullivan supported one of them. And, uh, you know, it just, it, go ahead and skip to the next one. And it just started to grow. This is Ashley's women's discipleship class now. It's all these women that are learning to follow God in a different way and lead their families and learn. And so basically, we continued to work with the kids. After, after that, we got 12 kids in school. Then we got 25. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, go ahead and go to the next one. And we got 25. Then we got 50. Then we got 100 until we had 100, over 100 kids sponsored to go to a public school. We get to a place where, like, we can't do this anymore. We've got to have our own school. And so we started a school called the Sparrow Academy where the kids from this community that aren't even welcome in public schools now get to have a high-quality Christian education. Well, one of the problems we were having also, so four or five years ago, we were like, there are these young men in the community that are smoking marijuana in front of all the kids, teaching the kids at eight years old, six years old how to do drugs, like as a joke. Like, man, how can we teach these kids when we're up against these guys? So we prayed, God, bring us someone who can, who can work with the youth, the young men, youth of this community. And so we started a youth group under the leadership of Christian Lopez, who's, who's going to come up here someday. Some of you all know him. And we started a soccer team. And on the first day of youth group, we started a soccer team, and we had 35 young men in the youth group. And it has turned into an incredible thing. We have soccer teams for them. They are learning to follow God. In fact, go ahead and skip ahead. This is one of them. This, is, this young man's name is Poite, and this is Christian baptizing him in this river right outside of the Bordos. And so, so let me just paint a picture. I've never seen anything like this in my life, but 
watching these young men with Christian is like, I can only equate it to one thing. It's like watching Jesus with his disciples. He has a truck. Everywhere he goes, he takes the boys with him. When they sit down to lunch, they talk about prayer. They talk about a verse they didn't understand in the Bible. They talk about what, and it's just they're doing life in, the, in an unbelievable way. Go ahead and skip to the next one. And again, and this is another one of our soccer teams. Go ahead. Stop right here for a minute. And so we, we've just had this incredible connection with these young men to where we are seeing something that I, in, in my lack of faith, I'll, I'll confess this, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. I didn't think that we would ever be able to get through to the young men because their hearts were so hard. They had done such terrible things in their lives already. But they slowly started to give their lives to the Lord. And now we have this large youth group of young men who are learning to be leaders. They're learning to preach. They want to teach the Word of God. In fact, Poite, the one who was being baptized, we haven't announced this yet, but our goal in January is to plant a church in this community. And they're basically, you know, we're going to plant this church, and God is going to use him probably to be the pastor to pastor his own community when he used to be a threat to the community, okay? That is something only God can do on the eternal side of things, feeding the new guy, watching this life completely transformed. And uh, these are two of the young men. I want to I share some of our losses as well. I feel comfortable with you guys. These are two of the young men we've lost over the last couple years. This is Carlos and Tulin. And They've, I, I was there with them. We, we prayed with both of these young men to, to receive the Lord. They had very hard lives. They were at the wrong place at the wrong time, and they were killed by gang members. And we grieve that. We've probably lost 10 or 12 over the last couple of years. It's very painful. But I, I say this to, to talk about these two young men is God was in their lives, okay? And by bringing them Jesus, it's everything. Not everyone gets out of it but they did have Jesus. Go ahead and skip to the next one. So we also have a home, a children's home in Santiago, Honduras. It's about an hour outside of San Pedro Sula. One of the biggest problems that we have in Honduras is abandoned children, okay? So what will happen is there, there's not a ton of abortions, but what will happen is a 14-year-old mom will go to the hospital, have a baby, and then leave. She'll bolt. And just that child won't have a name. They'll never know who the mom was. There's no intake papers. And because of that, the children really, they'll just go into a, a government home and they'll be trapped there for their lives in an institutional home. It's really sad. So what we've tried to do is go ahead and skip through this. I think we have some more pictures. We have, we want to develop, a, we're developing a family-style home. I know Beef and Roxanne are people who have been here and spoken with you some before and you all have supported them in the past. And so our goal is to build more of these houses where instead of going into an institutional home, you go into a, a real home with house parents who will love you and care for you just like they would their own kids, and it becomes a family. Go ahead and skip ahead. That's another one. Go ahead. So this is the Sparrow Academy. This is where we focus a lot of our energy, okay? It is a place where we want these kids from the community in the Bordos to get the best possible education. And let me tell you how it's affected their lives already. You know, in, in, in the early days in the Bordos, again, when we're breaking up fights, they can't even sit in a row. It's just absolute mayhem. Hard, it's, it's hard to fathom that now. And for those of you who have been, you'll know, like, they're the sweetest kids ever. They are. You're right. God has really moved. And so we've, we've got the Sparrow Academy for them, and the goal is just that they get the best possible education. And so what we're, the conversations we're hearing now that are coming out of the mouth is, I want to be a nurse. What, what kind of engineer do you want to be? I don't want to be a mechanical. No, I want to be a civil engineer. And we're just like, oh, my gosh. 
God, this is only through you. Because they used to joke about robbing people. They used to play like, oh, I'm in this gang. No, I'm in this gang. And now you'll hear him say, I want to be a missionary. I want, I want to be a pastor. And, and you just, it's like the biggest fruit that I've seen in my life, watching these kids talk like that. Go ahead and skip ahead. This is our first grade class. Um, oh, those kids are cute. Go ahead. This is the, most of the school on uh, one of our chapel days. And uh, we're having a chapel there. And then we're going to do the, the science fair right after that. Go ahead, skip ahead. So another thing we started for the young men in the youth group, we have a carpentry workshop on site at our school. And we started, teaching, we started teaching how to make ladders and tables and chairs and things like that. Well, about three years ago, we had a luthier, someone who, learns, who, who teaches how to make guitars and make guitars and ukuleles, came down and started teaching us how to make high-quality ukuleles, okay? So this is meant to, a way to, give, to teach people how to do a trade, how to teach them how to, how to be disciplined in their work ethic, and ultimately pr- supply for themselves, but... Also, pure discipleship is going on the whole time. So go ahead and skip ahead. So these guys have learned how to make the most beautiful ukuleles. I think we've had some here before. And just talented, godly young men working in this workshop. Go ahead and skip ahead again. This is the Steve B. Brown workshop. These are the boys. So go ahead. Remember their faces and then skip ahead. So I posted this picture about a year and a half ago on Instagram. I don't do a lot of social media. I don't necessarily understand how it all works, but... I posted this picture, and go ahead and skip ahead again, and this man, his name is Anand Mishra, contacted us, and he lives in just outside of New Delhi, India, and works with some of the unreached peoples of the area. Like, they are untouchables, they are the lowest of the low, and he has a church that specifically ministers to them. He said, is there any way that you can send us some of those young men, so that we can start our own workshop and do development here and do discipleship here, which this guy, I'll speak for myself, so this, this old guy, this earthly guy had a kind of a mini panic attack, like that's insane, that's impossible, it's too expensive, they don't speak English yet, they can't do it, and then, but this guy, the new guy for me was like, let's do it, the Holy Spirit, let, let's do this. It's insane. We're going to send missionaries from Honduras, from the poorest community in Honduras, from the lowest of the low. They can't even get into schools. And we're going to send them to be missionaries to India. Okay? That's the new guy. That's for me. That was me feeding the new guy. Go ahead and skip ahead. So they started training every day, full time in the workshop on how to make ukuleles. This is a fun picture. Go ahead and skip ahead. And so in about three weeks, they're getting on a plane. Brooks here. She's on staff with us, and she's booking the plane tickets. She's going to give me good news right after this on those tickets being booked. And so they're going to be traveling to New Delhi, India. Go ahead and skip ahead. Where, if I just want to show you one statistic. If you look at the percentage of religion in New Delhi, go down to the third one, slide all the way over. They're less than 1% Christian, okay? And that's a current statistic because what's happening in India right now is it is government-led persecution, okay? Christianity is against the law. Churches are being shut down. People are being killed. And God is calling us to go there, to be part of it, to see disciples made. And so let me just tell you, I know I'm running out of time. I just want to finish up here. God is always pulling to the lost. When we're, in, when we're working, when we're becoming this new guy, right? 
and we're taking these tiny Holy Spirit steps to be, become more like him, to test our faith, to feed our faith, to become more like Jesus, we're always being pulled to the lost. We're always being pulled to the poorest of the poor. We're being poor, pulled into, the, into those communities that need him so desperately. And so what's happened is these young men are an example for the whole Bordeaux community. For all of the, in that whole community that we've showed you many times, go ahead and skip to the next picture. For these kids, go ahead and again, for this whole community of the Bordos, now they know that they can be anything in their lives. Even missionaries that go all the way across the world to tell people about Jesus. What do you think that does to the kids in the school when those boys go and speak to their class and talk about where they're going? They can be anything. They're no longer trapped by social norms like Ashley was talking about. They're no longer held down by a mindset of, I'm just a Bordos kid. That everyone in Honduras knows the minute they walk into a store, that's a Bordos kid. The security guard needs to follow them. That's not them anymore. They're the guys, the new guys. I can be a missionary. I can do anything in my life because I've seen God do it. And, and so... I want to close today because God is doing so much in Honduras. I want to, first of all, I want to, be, I want to thank you so much for everything that your church has done. You, I think, I wish I, could, I had everything to tell you of how much you've, you've invested in us in Honduras, but it's been so much. I want to thank you for that. I want to ask for your, first and foremost, for your prayers. We currently have, from our school, the Sparrow Academy, um, if you, you guys have all seen the news, and I know it's all in politics. We don't, we don't get involved in that, but the caravan that's coming up from Honduras, which is from San Pedro Sula, which is our town, um, trying to make their way to the States. Well, a grandfather from the Bordos community where we work has taken two of our students, his grandchildren, and is, is bringing them up to the States without the mother's permission. He kidnapped them. And it's, it's a very tough situation. So I would ask that you would, that you would keep them in your prayers. They didn't want to come. They wanted to stay in school. They wanted to stay at the Spiro Academy where they know they have a future in their own country. You know, it's not something we deal with from our community where people are leaving because they know they can go to school. They can educate themselves. They can, com they, can help their, they can help their community. They can follow the Lord. So I would ask that you would pray for us. Pray for these two kids, it's Daniela and Jesus. Please pray for them. They're, they're probably very scared right now on their trip, and they want to be with their mom. Okay, and so as you, as you see the news for that caravan, I would encourage you, try not to get caught up in political stuff. Pray for Daniela and Jesus. Okay, pray that they come back safely to us. And also, if you could go back one picture, another thing I'd like for you to do is if you could prayerfully consider supporting the children at the Sparrow Academy. Okay, we have a sponsorship page on our website. In fact, Brooke, raise your hand, Brooklyn. Um, that's Brooke. She's going to be back here at this little table back here with her laptop after the service. And, and, we operate 100% on faith, literally month to month, to keep doing what we're doing. It is only by God's providence that we're, that we're able to continue to serve month to month. And it, is, it stresses this guy out for me. The old guy still feels the pressure of, God, how is the school going to operate the next month? But this guy is, is, is battling it out. We, God's got this. God is always faithful. But we, we support the Sparrow Academy by, by having supporters for our kids, sponsors. And we have 20 more kids, I'm sorry. We have, we have quite a few more kids to sponsor. So if, you can, if you're interested at all in supporting a kid or sponsoring a teacher, please meet Brooke in the back over here.
And uh, the last thing, you can go ahead and skip ahead to the next picture. Um, the last thing is, what's that? We have seven more kids that need sponsorships. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so no, no pressure. But if we can knock out those seven sponsorships today, that would be awesome. Okay. Um, you don't have to pray about that. Just go back and talk to Brooke. Just go straight back. If I go ahead and start forming a line, try to get it down through here. Um, last thing is one great step, and this was a big in my life, was going on a mission trip. Okay, in 1993, my brother, who's sitting right here, encouraged me to take a step and go on my very first mission trip, and it scared me to death. Okay, I called my mom, who was also here today, and said, I think I want to come home. And she said, we don't have enough money to change your plane ticket. You're going to stay in Panama, <laughs> okay? And, and God used that trip to stretch my faith and to, to feed this new guy, okay? I want to encourage you. Take a step out of your comfort zone. Talk to Davey Sullivan back here. When are you going to have, like, a meeting for info about your trip next summer? Second week of June. I encourage you. Come on this mission trip. Join us in Honduras. It will be a step of faith, but here we are. Which guy are you going to feed? All right? This guy is going to say, we don't have the money to go. Okay, this guy's going to say, San Pedro Sula, isn't that a dangerous place? Okay? And this guy is going to say, God is doing something there. Let's go, let's go join him at work. It is a step to feed. Which guy are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the new, the new guy, the spiritual guy? that has effect on all of eternity, or are you going to listen to this guy who's, who's worried, who lives with anxiety, who worries about money, safety? Feed the new guy, okay? If the band wants to come on, we're going to close up in prayer, and then I'll turn it over to whoever I need to. But let's, let's bow our heads together. Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, first we want to lift up Daniela and Jesus. Lord, we pray that you keep them safe where they are right now, Lord God. We know that you have a plan for them. We pray that uh, wherever they are in their journey, that you, would, that you would protect them, they would feel comfortable, Lord God, and they would return to where they're supposed to be with their mom, Lord. That you would just, you would love them and, and, and provide everything they need where they are, Lord. Lord, we pray for, for all that you're doing, Lord God, here in this, in this body of Christ, Lord. I pray that you would bless them, Lord God. Consistently speak your word to them, Lord. Lord, show us how to feed our new guy, how to take steps of faith and live a life of faith, Lord God. Because only by doing that can we, can we move. Can we see the kingdom of heaven come to earth, like Ashley said. Can we see the kingdom of heaven happening here in the lives of the people around us and in our own life, Lord God. But most, first and foremost, Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for sending us Jesus. We thank you for saving us, Lord God, and I pray that we never keep that to ourselves, that we can always, always give it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you guys stand with me, please? Uh, first of all, as, as all of you know, uh, for baptized believers, we just invite you as the band begins playing just to come to the table and, and eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of what Jesus did for us and his sacrifice. But let me just encourage you, if, something, if God has used something that Justin or Ashley has said today to impact you in any way, don't ignore that. 
it's an opportunity to step into what he's doing and what he, how he wants to involve you in what he's doing. Don't miss that opportunity, whether it's with your next door neighbor here in our community or overseas in Honduras. Don't ignore that stirring up of the Holy Spirit that's going on. I think a consistent theme here this morning has been no longer a slave. We're not slaves anymore, thanks to what Jesus has done. We're not a slave to fear. We're not a slave to the old guy and what the world tells us that we're supposed to do. Those Bordos kids, are no, they're no longer just the Bordos kids. We've been freed by what Jesus has done for us, so walk in that freedom. If you don't know Christ, don't leave here today without talking or praying to someone. Come find Justin, come find me. There'll be people in the back who want to talk and pray with you. If you're living an undivided, if you're living a divided life, like Justin talked about, if you're torn between the old guy and the new guy, we all have issues where we struggle with that. It's a constant battle. Like Justin said, talk to and pray with somebody. If you're being called to a next step of faith and you just want to be encouraged or pray with somebody about that and what God has for you and your family, don't ignore that. Press into it with somebody today. Amen. Amen. So come to the table. Let's remember what Jesus did for us together as we close out and worship him. Thanks, guys.